You're a successful business owner or entrepreneur. You love it, but it consumes your entire day and sometimes your entire night. This is the Seven Figure Builder Show. It's a backstage pass to the minds of those who've already cracked the code. Welcome to the Seven Figure Builder Show. And now your host, Julie Baranek. Welcome to the Seven Figure Builder Show. My name is Julie Baranek, founder of Seven Figure Builder, where we help high achieving CEOs connect the dots in their business to scale to seven figures and beyond. And I'm here today with my friend, Nathan Hirsch. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Julie. How are you doing? I am awesome. I am thrilled to chat with you today. I'm excited to be here. Hopefully we can drop some, some good value for your audience. I know. I'm really excited. So first and foremost, where in the world are you? I'm in Denver, Colorado. Usually really nice, although it's been pouring here for some reason for like three I weeks I love now. Denver. <laughs> that is a gorgeous area. It's so, awesome. It's tough to beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it totally is. I have family out there, so we love to go out and visit. So for those that haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet, can you tell us just a little bit about what you do with your businesses? You have multiples, so go for it. What you got? Yeah. I mean, I'm a longtime entrepreneur. I went from buying and selling textbooks to running a, a pretty large Amazon dropshipping business to building a, a competitor of Upwork and Fiverr called FreeUp, a marketplace for pre-vetted VAs and freelancers. And that was acquired in, in 2019. And right now I, I run three ventures. One's called Outsource School, where we teach people our hiring systems and all of our SOPs. And then I have two monthly bookkeeping services, Ecom Balance and Accounts Balance. Uh, Ecom Balance is more for e-commerce sellers, people that sell on Amazon, eBay, stuff like that. Um, and Accounts Balance is more for your agencies, coaches, consultants, software companies, stuff like that. So uh, the goal is to build a portfolio of businesses that run without me. And uh, we've got a, a good core right now. I love that. That's amazing. And that's the ultimate dream, right? Right. So how did you end up in bookkeeping? I have to know. Because of all places, that's not not where most people gravitate. Yeah, I am not a uh, bookkeeper. I am not a CPA. Um, I tend to like very boring businesses. Uh, hiring and bookkeeping doesn't get much more boring than that. Uh, but I never want to create like the next Uber. I'm not trying to change the, the world. I like finding markets that are, are already big. Um, like every every entrepreneur needs to hire. Every entrepreneur needs to do bookkeeping. So if we can take our small percentage of a market and do it with better customer service and better processes and, and our own spin on it, uh, that's always what we we try to do. I mean, the the real story is we sold free up in November 2019. Uh, the original plan was to travel the world. I didn't think I would see my business partner for a year or so. Uh, COVID hit a few months later and we were stuck inside like everyone else, but with no company, we had just sold it and, and no business ideas. So wow. a buddy of mine reached out and he said, hey, if you launched a hiring course, I bet you people would like it. And we had never launched a course before. So we, we spent a month filming it and we launched it and we said, hey, if people hate it, we'll just refund you and move on to something else. And people really liked it and um, had a lot of great reviews. So we added our SOPs to it and created a little membership and, and that kind of bought us time. And for the next year, we brainstorm a lot of bad ideas from a luggage company to a dog food truck, like really, really terrible ones. And uh, we, we kind of circled back to things that we know. I mean, but one of the best decisions we ever made was hiring a bookkeeper from day one of free up. We had kind of learned from our Amazon business how chaotic it was if you if you didn't have good books, or if you tried to do it yourself, or if you dump it on your CPA of the year. So 
They want to free up before we're profitable, hire a bookkeeper. Not only did it help us sell the company down the line because we had four years of immaculate books to, to pass due diligence, but the real th- answer or the real thing was it helped us make good decisions every single month based on what the numbers w- were telling us. And that kind of gave us the idea of, hey, what if we start a monthly bookkeeping business? Uh, we did a lot of market research. You can find all these interviews we did with entrepreneurs on the Econ Balance blog. And kind of saw that a lot of bookkeepers are, are not great at scaling. They're not great at hiring. They're not great at processes. Um, they struggle with marketing. They struggle with SEO. And on paper, those are the things that we're good at. Uh, obviously, we, we need to execute it and all that. Um, and that kind of gave us the idea. So we hired a, a great controller here in Denver, built the bookkeeping team around her. Again, minimum viable product, gave a bunch of people two free months of bookkeeping to break everything and give us a lot of feedback. And, uh, and then our bookkeeping businesses were launched. That's amazing. So I want to dig in just a little more to finding a problem to solve. Like every good business solves a problem. And you had definitely had an extensive process that you went through with that. Um, but can you tell me a little more? How did you end up landing on that idea? Like you threw out a ton of problems. What told you this was the right idea to move forward? Uh, a lot of market research. <laughs> we, I mean, we like, we try to go to whoever our ideal customer is and just talk to them. And I mean, in terms of the the dog food truck, which is laughable, like we're like, Hey, like Denver has a lot of dogs. Like yeah. my business partner's wife runs a dog walking business, now training business. And she crushed it. That's so we're like, we don't want to copy that. Let's do some, try to do something different. And we learned very quickly that you can't get permits for stuff like that. And that was the end of the idea. And you move on to, to something else. So I, sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's just market research, like actually talking to the customer. But like you said, it's all about solving problems with our Amazon business. We really struggled to hire. We we hated posting a job on Upwork and going through a hundred people. And a lot of those people didn't understand e-commerce. So we're like, what if we built a platform that already had pre-vetted e-commerce virtual assistants on it? And someone could just go to it, say, Hey, I need a customer service rep. I need a graphic designer. They get matched up with someone same day. You can start the product same day. The marketplace backs them up if anything goes wrong. And that's what we wanted. And we kept looking for it and looking for it. And when we couldn't find it, we said, hey, we'll build it ourselves." And, and FreeUp was born. So usually most of our ideas outside of the, the baby product business is kind of solving our, our own problems and seeing if other people have the same problems and are willing to, to pay for solutions. Yeah. And I think that's the key, right? Is <laughs> take the problems that you have that you know are existing and will people pay for it? And if they will, then you got a pretty viable solution. Right. So talk to me about the scaling process. So with FreeUp, you went very quickly from 1 million to 12 million, 12 million, which is absolutely mind-blowing. And then you sold the business. But what did that look like for you as far as getting to the first million and then scaling up to the 12? Yeah. So keep in mind, we we had really great timing with our with our Amazon business. We would we'd reach out to manufacturers. We would say, hey, you don't know anything about Amazon. We're good at selling an Amazon. We don't have money to buy inventory or store products. Um, will you keep our card on file and ship it to our customers? And great. We found this little niche that was at a great time because Amazon would get you all these customers and they were booming onto the scene and no one knew what, what an Amazon seller was. When we started free up, we had to get our own customers and we were very used to Amazon just sending customers our way. So we had to learn building a website and SEO and marketing and partnerships and going on podcasts and all the different things that, um, that we do today that we kind of consider our, our organic marketing blueprint. And it was a lot of trial and error. Like we would do lead generation and send cold emails. We would go on different job boards like Craigslist and stuff like that, looking for people looking to hire and reach out. I tried going on my my first podcast and you and I were laughing about the record button. My first podcast, they forgot to hit the record button. But in my mind, I was like, this is kind of cool. It like takes 
30 minutes of my time. I network with an awesome entrepreneur. I can potentially get in front of thousands of people. I was learning what backlinks were. So over a lot of trial and error, we kind of learned, hey, if we're reaching out to other blog articles and, and trying to get backlinks and doing guest posts, if we're finding other people in the space that have the same audience that we do, but offer something different. So we provided a lot of Amazon VAs in year one. So we went to every Amazon software company out there and said, you don't provide VAs. We don't provide software. We both target e-commerce sellers. Let's promote each other. And by year two, we were working with all of them and they, we kind of benefited because a lot of them exploded just like we exploded. So we got in front of a, a lot of great customers. Um, we went after influencers, people with Facebook groups of our ideal client, um, people that it kind of overlaps, but people with podcasts, people with large integrating Instagram following, stuff like that. Um, we built an affiliate program that paid out 50 cents for every hour billed to a VA uh, that that comes from you forever. So that was huge. We were paying out hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in affiliate money uh, by year four. And we have an affiliate program with Outsource School that pays 40%. Our bookkeeping is $50 a month reoccurring for anyone that you refer. Um, so that's a great way to get your customers to refer other customers and also to tempt influencers, people with podcasts, whatever it is, um, to promote you as well. And my business partner spent a lot of time learning SEO. I'd kind of put them against anyone there. So it's kind of a combination of those five things that we implement in all of our businesses. But year one was a lot of learning those and doing trial and error and doing research and also just talking to other entrepreneurs and learning what works and what doesn't work and being consistent. Every day, we're reaching out to five new podcasts. Every day, we're reaching out to five partners. And you get a, a lot of rejections, a lot of being ignored, but we were great with follow-up in a very respectful, polite way that understood, hey, you're busy. Hey, I'm a nobody. I get it. You're not um, <laughs> You're not going to respond to me. Um, but I had people that ignore me for two years, and then we would find creative ways. I'd say, hey, here are five clients of mine that are also five clients of yours, and here are five testimonials from them. Um, or, hey, podcast host, can you refer me to some other podcasts? And they refer me to a podcast that had rejected me before. And over time, you kind of build more and more relationships and you get that snowballing effect. But it all kind of came from that consistency in year one and two of doing that outreach and 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 not I, I wouldn't even call it sales, just more like outreach every single day, trying to get in front of those places, blogs, podcasts, influencers, partners, and to also letting every single person know about our referral affiliate program. Yeah. And I, that's key that you mentioned with relationships is so often when you're starting a business, you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, but you're just connecting with people. And it's like, okay, someday this will actually take off and pay off, but it does, right? Like you build enough connections, you build enough relationships, and then it starts to speed up and you feel that ball starting to, you know, roll downhill and pick up speed, which is awesome. Yeah, I like to set targets, just like I set a target early on to, to go on one podcast a week. Um, I would set a target to network with 10 new entrepreneurs a month. And this is not a sales call. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I want to learn about them, tell them about me. If there's some way to work together, great. If not, always good meeting other people in the space. And you never know when you'll cross paths. And on a day-by-day -day basis, doesn't feel like very much, but Two years later, you know a lot of people and you're everywhere and people know who you are. So it's small, consistent effort like that. And it carries over to business to business. Like the people I establish relationships and trust with in free up, those are a lot of the same people that were like, yeah, I'll give your new monthly bookkeeping service a shot, even though you're not a bookkeeper. Give me two free months and I'll give you feedback. And you kind of build those trusts. And once you have that, you can use it for any business going forward. Doesn't mean they'll all work, but you at least have that, that base point. Yeah, absolutely. So as you started getting a proof of concept in a system that worked, how did you then incorporate other systems and automation and really try to streamline and integrate?
Hey, real quick, it's Julie. I just wanted to say thank you for listening every week. I absolutely adore you and so appreciate your time and your commitment to the show. And I truly love creating free content for you to grow your podcast and your business. And if you want to take our relationship to the next level, I know I would, or you just want to monetize your podcast without ads or sponsorship, hop into my free web class that'll show exactly how. Just go to sevenfigurepodcastbuilder.com slash monetize, and I will see you there. Now back to the conversation. So Connor and I are a big proponent of building our own like core client portal in almost every business that we build. We always find that if we use someone else's stuff, it does like 80% of what we want. We can never get it to do that last 20%. So with FreeUp, like the first six months, people were emailing me requests of VA, calling me, texting me, shooting me a Slack message um, or Skype back in the day. Uh, and so that's how it started. And then we built out a software. Clients would create an account and sign up. They would put in a request and we had a ticketing system. And then we would build out a job board and we'd listen to feedback from our clients, feedback from our freelancers and kind of make tweets and build off that. And that, again, was a very good decision because when we went to sell the company, we had this proprietary software that was only ours that was running the the whole marketplace and, and helping it along. And that was incredibly valuable to the buyers. So that was one part of it is investing in software we have a developer that um, we became a partner with, and he was the one person when we sold free up. We said you can't have him. We're going to keep using him for <laughs> for other businesses. So we he he builds he runs the portal behind our bookkeeping businesses as well. Anyone that signs up there, you got affiliates and billing, and we upload the reports there. And I'm sure we have a lot to do to, to add to it as well. Um, so that that's definitely a part of it for automation, um, incorporating just basic tools. I really don't do anything crazy there. Like we have Slack, we have Zero for for billing, we use Stripe. Um, we use like Gmail and Google Docs, like all our SOPs are there. So we're, I don't think we're doing anything crazy. Like we'll use Zaps um, and Zapier. Uh, we will like now that AI is coming around, we're definitely testing different things there. But for the most part, we keep everything like very lean, very simple. And we're always listening to, to feedback on how we can tweak process to, to make them very streamlined. Yeah. And that's critical. I mean, so often as businesses are growing organically, you just grow and get more and more, you know, connections and mess and it just tends to get kind of crazy after time, but the more you can keep it simple and lean and even just go back and reassess it every year, every couple of years, every couple of months to say, okay, what do I not need anymore? What can we get rid of? What can we consolidate? What's overlapping? You know, that helps just keep it simple. Yeah, hundred so, percent. We yeah. like everything lean and we like starting businesses with very small amounts of money, like $5,000 or less and see if it works. And I mean, if you're getting sales and people want your product, that everything else will, will solve itself. Yeah, hundred percent. So as you were scaling your business and looking for an exit plan, like when did you start thinking about that and planning for it? And what did that look like? So we always build our companies to be sellable in the sense of like Connor and I are not in operation. So like we're not managing the bookkeepers. We're not involved in the books at all, um, stuff like that. So, and, and just having really good SOPs, everything's documented in outsource school. We teach people just how to build great SOPs because you need it. Um, and then in terms of just having um, not one sales channel where if Facebook shuts down your ads, you don't get any customers having lots of different ways you're getting clients. So all that we built along with clean financials and hiring a bookkeeper from day one. Going into 2019, we were coming off a, a pretty big high. We had just done 9 million in, in 2018. Uh, we were kind of on top of the world and, and we didn't think that we were going to sell free up. That wasn't necessarily in the conversation. We got 
uh, reached out to by one of our, our clients that said, hey, we like free up. We use free up. Uh, we don't buy businesses or we don't start businesses. We buy businesses. We want to get into the VA freelancer space. Would you guys be interested in, in being acquired? And we kind of heard them out and answered some questions and they ended up making us an offer that was really good and life-changing. And that was a, a tough decision. You're weighing a lot of different things. Uh, just a few of which are like, hey, we got this thing to doing nine on pace for 12 for, for year four. But to get it to 25 or wherever we want to go, it's going to take some pretty drastic changes. Like things are going to have to be revamped and that could work. It could also not work. And we've seen our Amazon business what that went to the high and then plateaued. And it was tough to kind of get it uh, past a, a certain mark. This is pre-COVID. Economy was at an all-time high. And we thought, hey, like it could also be good timing. We don't know. There could be a recession down the corner. Things could change there. Um, we have our, our team that we want to take care of. And we wanted to take $500,000 from the sale and give it to our team. And if we turn the deal down and something happened in the business, would we be able to sleep at night after that? And so there are a lot of different factors there. Uh, we did a, a lot of vetting on the buyers. The, the best advice that we ever um, got was to vet the buyers just like they were going to vet us. And we wanted to know everything from their net worth to their past success, their past failures, their plans for the business, plan for the team, uh, how they treat employees, like all of that stuff. And we couldn't sold it to, to better people. And then the the another question was about exit plan, but it was essentially a, a six month process that was the most stressful six months of my life, even with clean financials. And we had answers to every question. And they told us that we responded so quickly because we had everything in lockstep, but you get the lawyers involved. For us, it's the the biggest moment of our life for lawyers. It's another Tuesday. They go on vacation. They got other clients and it's no one's fault. They're their lawyers are trying to protect them. Our lawyers are trying to protect us and it starts to drag out a little bit. But six months later, we finally signed on the dotted line and the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely sounds like an unnerving process to go yeah. through. I mean, every <laughs> day you wake up and you're line. like, is this going to fall through? You know? Yeah. You're waiting for that one text or that one email or the one call. Yeah. That's yep. craziness. So through your journey of growing your businesses, how has having the right insights and the data positioned you for success? What have you found with that? Yeah, we're big fans of, of getting consistent reports. I mean, we want to know everything. We're we're constantly sending our bookkeepers like, hey, we need this additional or, hey, can you calculate this for us? And I think that first year you're kind of figuring out like what data is actually important. And, and I always kind of laugh when people kind of give an overview to entrepreneurs that are like, this is the KPI that you should be tracking. Very different for, for every single business. So we tried to figure that out um, in year one. Uh, that's very key. And uh, I mean, just for me, it's having a monthly finance meeting on your calendar every single month that you don't miss for any reason. And if anyone wants my my agenda, you can go to um, econbalance.com slash agenda and grab it. And the way it should work is you have a monthly bookkeeper that gets you an income statement, balance sheet, cash flow between the 10th and the 15th each month. On your calendar, you have this finance agenda meeting. You're comparing this month to last month, this month to the same month last year, and you're making decisions based on what the numbers are telling you. You don't make decisions based on your gut on a random Tuesday. You don't make decisions based on money you see going in your bank account. You make it based on what the three financial statements are actually telling you. And you're comparing trends. Is your margin going up or down? Is your payroll going up higher than revenue? Like, are you positive cash flow because there's businesses that go out of business not because they're unprofitable, because they just run out of cash? So these are things that you go through at your finance meeting and if you're listening to this and you don't have a finance meeting on your calendar every single month, uh, you got to start doing it. It's something Connor and I have been doing every month for six, maybe seven years now, and it's a complete game changer in your business. 
Yeah, no, it definitely is. And you have to know the right numbers, not just tracking numbers for the sake of it, but that makes all the difference and takes the motion out of it. So you've accomplished amazing things in your businesses and your career and everything else, but how do you define success? What does that look like to you? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's definitely changed. Like when I was in my 20s, I was definitely a hustler. I, I kind of grew up. Um, my parents always, I love my parents and they're they're awesome, but they always made me like buy my own stuff. So if I wanted a car, if I wanted to go to college, if I wanted um, a video game, I always had to pay for it myself. So I always had that like entrepreneur mentality of, of like, let's work, let's make money, let's get financial freedom and all of that. And I think as you get a little bit older, you kind of realize other things that um, come into play. I mean, my, my wife and I are foster parents, but neither of us grew up rich. My my wife actually grew up in Vietnam. Um, and But we both had two loving, supporting parents who put food on our plate and made sure that we had a, a bed to sleep in. And you kind of learn that not everyone was that fortunate. And for all the hard work that you put in, there, there's a large element of luck as well and timing and and all of that. So for, for us, it's putting ourselves in a position that Yes, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, but we also are able to to give back and spend time with friends and family and and foster and um, yeah, just kind of live a, a very balanced life that I'm not sure we were able to do uh, early on. We were both grinding and, and not just me. My, my wife's a super hard worker as well. Yeah. And to that point, how do you juggle all of that? How do you balance family time, work time, everything else? What do you recommend for people? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a routine that I kind of wake up, get a lot of stuff done in the morning. So if things come up in the afternoon, the day's pretty productive. I, I health wise, like I work, I do very high intensity workouts at 11 a.m. every morning, uh, and then by the afternoon and the weekend, my my wife does a pretty good job of making sure I'm not working and uh, focusing on on family and and all of that. So I think it's a it definitely takes time. You have to be able to turn off email, turn off Slack, turn off social media, um, but you kind of get better at it over time and, and you definitely need um, supporting people that, that help you do it. Like my business partner, um, like my wife is about to give birth in August and my business partner is like, you are taking a month off. It's not negotiable. We're, we're not even having a conversation at least a month off. I don't want to see you here. So having people around you that kind of protect that work-life balance for you is equally as important. For sure. And that's so incredible to have those people around you that can support you like that. So you've got amazing things in the works. What can people expect from you next? What is most life-changing for you this year? Right now, we're very focused on, on our two bookkeeping businesses and outsource school. I don't think uh, with my kid on the way, I don't think we're starting any new companies before uh, 2024. Um, but I mean, we we hope to build a portfolio of companies that help other entrepreneurs. That's what we like doing. And um, I, I know I've heard from people like, oh, you sold free up. So you're going to like flip all your businesses. I'm not sure if one sale like makes it that way. Um, we're, we love the bookkeeping space. We, we love outsource school. We plan on holding these companies for 30 plus years. I mean, if an offer comes around, of course you listen to it, but we want to build a portfolio of really helpful companies to other entrepreneurs that also give us the remote life and the lifestyle that and flexibility and financial freedom that, that we want and want for our families. So that's what we're focused on. Awesome. And what advice would you give to entrepreneurs out there? I mean, you've seen a lot and done a lot. Uh, two things. One, just being consistent. Whatever you're trying to do, just very consistent every single day. I'm not a big fan of um, like like short sprints and burning yourself out or, or going all in. Like just very consistent every single day and put yourself in a position to get rejected. I mean, I get rejected every single week, every single month. You kind of 
you got to get used to it. You got to be okay with it. Um, I, uh, I've never had a real job, but I had some internships that did sales and I had to sell people car services at Firestone. And I know absolutely nothing about cars. And so nothing teaches you um, sales better than that, or teaches you rejection better than that. And put yourself in those situations to learn how to be rejected, learn how to do sales, um, learn how to, to follow up in, in a nice, respectful way. And a lot of opportunities are, are going to open up for you. For sure. And how can listeners support you in your work? Where can they find you online? Yeah, yeah. go to go LinkedIn. I sent you a LinkedIn connection right before this. Awesome. Uh, I would love to connect with you there. I post a lot of content on the boring parts of business, uh, bookkeeping and hiring. And uh, yeah, check out Outsource School. If you, you can actually book a call with my VI Anna and mention this podcast and she'll hook you up. And if you go to Econ Balance or Accounts Balance, depending if you're an e-commerce business or not, uh, mention this podcast and get two months free of bookkeeping. And we'll have all the links down below for everybody so they can come check you out. And if you found value in this episode, please do share it. And you can find me at sevenfigurebuilder.com. And thank you, Nathan, for being on today. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to the Seven Figure Builder Show with Julie Baranek. Julie cut her teeth consulting for Fortune 500 companies worldwide. And now she's redirected that knowledge and power to support entrepreneurs like you. She focuses on relationship-based lead generation and the magic of podcasting. If you're looking to elevate your business through storytelling, branding, and efficient systems, well, you found your new home. It's what we do. If you enjoyed the show and got something from it, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, find us on Instagram at 7figurebuilder. Find the website at 7figurebuilder.com. And to learn how to automate your podcast with Julie, find that site at 7figurepodcastbuilder.com. See you next time on the 7 Figure Builder Show.